Have you finished a manuscript of some sort, fiction, memoir, maybe a collection of essays and stories, and you really want to have it published, but you're not sure where to go from here? Well, stay tuned because that is what we're going to be talking about today. Hello, and welcome to the Groovy Writer Podcast, where we explore how to find your writing groove, regardless of your circumstances. I'm your host, author and MFA instructor, Nicole McGinnis. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. So publishing, wanting to be published. It's widely considered among writers to be the big dream, right? The big goal to write the great American novel or the great American memoir or that best-selling nonfiction title that is on all the bestseller lists, makes you famous, acts as a spin-off for all sorts of other projects. It really is traditionally the ultimate writerly fantasy. For most writers, though, I think it's safe to say that that dream, that fantasy, feels pretty out of reach, especially once you're really into a manuscript, you've really figured out that, hey, this is difficult. This is a hard thing. Writing well is hard. And if you actually finish that manuscript, That is just a huge, massive, major, incredible accomplishment. So because I want to sort of start off right at that point with this idea of, okay, you finished a manuscript, you've you've done what you've set out to do in that you finished a strong draft, maybe it's gone through a revision or two. What now if I want to, as a writer, go down that road of publication? I want to be published. I'm not quite sure how I want to be published. I'm not even really sure what's out there, but I know I have this work that I've completed and I really want to get it into the hands of readers. What do I do? First of all, let me just start off by saying this is a a huge endeavor. I think it's a very worthy endeavor to want to connect with an audience. I think really that's why most of us write. Of course, we can write for ourselves. We can journal. We can write those types of things that we never intend for others to read. But for most of us, if we're writing fiction, if we're writing something that is reader-oriented, audience-oriented, then kind of one of the main points of the whole thing is to connect with readers, to, the way I think of it, is to sort of have a conversation with readers. It's a wonderful thing. It's very fulfilling. It's very gratifying to know that you've written something that someone else has read and that they respond to in some way, whether it's by reaching out to you, the author, or by writing a review, hopefully a positive review, but as we know, it can go either way. Um, But it's an incredibly gratifying thing and it does feel in my experience like really coming full circle when something is published, someone responds to it. I've said in previous episodes, many of us got our first taste of this sort of thing when we were young, many of us quite young in school. Maybe we wrote a poem or a story that an early teacher of ours really praised. Maybe they even pinned it up on the board for others to see. So that sense, that early sense of validation and conversation is, I think, very key to why writers want to publish in the first place. So, okay, you have this manuscript. It's, in your mind, fairly complete. You've labored over it for however long, 
months, maybe years. The first thing I would say is if it has not gone through revision, please do not proceed, try to proceed toward publication before you have really put some serious time and effort into the revision process. This can entail First of all, putting it away for a certain amount of time, again, weeks, months, maybe. You can work on other projects. You can research the type of publishing you wish to do, and we'll get more into that in a moment. But it's so important for you to achieve some sort of distance from that manuscript before you get serious about sending it out into the world via publication. So if you haven't done it already, put that manuscript away. Let it just sort of, I think of it as percolating. Let it just percolate. Put it in a drawer, close the file on your laptop, make sure you have it saved in its most current form. I typically will email my manuscripts to myself on a regular basis, actually, as I'm drafting them. But definitely once I have something that I consider to be fairly complete, I will make sure I email it to myself. I'll typically save it in more than one location. In case I have a hard drive crash, I'll have it on another. Maybe external hard drive is a great idea. So make sure you have distance from it, then pull it out. Make sure you look at it again, weeks or months later, go through it. Sometimes you'll see things that need to be revised, which again, I talked about this in a previous episode, so I won't go into it in detail here, but that's basically working in the bigger chunks, basic things that need to be reorganized, maybe an entire character or an entire scene that needs to be cut because it's just not not really moving the story forward. If anything, maybe it's bogging down the story. So things need to be moved around, things need to be cut, maybe something needs to be added. Those are bigger ticket revision type items. Then you're going to want to go through and make sure this manuscript is very well edited. As I say, edited to within an inch of its life. You want to make sure it's very, very clean, especially if you're planning to pursue traditional publishing. You do not want to give an agent or an editor any reason whatsoever to direct your manuscript to what is called the dreaded slush pile. Any of the gatekeepers, any of those people in traditional publishing who really do determine whether or not a book gets published, you don't want to give them any reason to chuck your manuscript. So editing is very, very key in that. So again, make sure it's well revised, make sure it's well edited, and then it's time to make some choices. So again, I'm going to speak sort of in general terms today because there is so much to say about the path to publication. Really the most popular class I teach in my MFA program is called Publishing Creative Writing. It fills up every single time it's offered almost without fail. It's offered quite frequently. I've had many, many students say this should really be a required course for students in this program because it's still somewhat surprising to me, but I'm used to it now. But when I first started teaching this course, I was really surprised by how many students at the MFA level, and I think this is fairly universal, really don't know what to do beyond the writing, beyond finishing a project. They might know they want to be published, which I would say the majority of my students do, but they're not sure how to go about it. They might have some idea. Some are a little farther along that path than others. Some students have agents. Some students have published. I've actually had some really well-published students in the program before, and their voices are great because they bring even more experience and perspective to the conversations that we have during the class. But I've really started to realize there's really a need for information about this part of the process. 
Many people focus in their writing lives on writing well, which is, of course, foundational. It's required. It is the most, I think, by far the most important part of the process is to increase our skills, to be as prolific as we can, to write well, and get to the point where we are then ready to say, you know what? This project is really strong. I've had people read it, beta readers, friends, family, writing group members, MFA, peers, wherever you might find your readers. I'm getting good feedback on it. I want to get this published. So this is the point at which you have some choices to make if you haven't already. So of course, the big choice, and it has just become more and more complex, used to be a a pretty simple choice between what we would call vanity publishing or self-publishing back in the day. And traditional publishing, where you typically will have a literary agent who then will typically sell your manuscript to an editor at a publishing house who will then work with you on getting it ship shape until it's ready to actually be printed, go on bookstore shelves, etc. Nowadays, though, it's really not that basic of a choice. There is the world of self-publishing. There's also something called hybrid publishing, which is pretty much what it sounds like. Some elements of self-publishing, but you're also getting some professional help along the way. Then there is straight traditional publishing, which is that path of having an agent, having that agent sell your books, having the books connect with readers through the various means, bookstores, you know, um, brick and mortar bookstores, eBooks, et cetera, audiobooks. The latter path is the path that I have taken. And very, very intentionally, it took me many years to get there. But I knew from the start when I really started getting serious about wanting to be published that I did not want to self-publish. It was a whole different landscape, though. At that time, in the early 1990s, self-publishing, again, was often called vanity publishing, which is sort of a not-so-great term. It doesn't really put a good light on it. But I think the reason for that was because many people were self-publishing, having maybe 50 copies of their chapbook of poems or their novel or their novella or their collection of stories printed so they could maybe sell them. But a lot of people were giving them to friends and family as gifts, keeping things very small, very local. Now, while that is still an option, and I think a very valid one, it's really a matter of knowing yourself, knowing what you want to do, knowing what your end goal is for this project. But now there are so many different options when it comes to self-publishing. As I said, you can go the route where you do it all from editing to finding the platform you want to use, and there are several, to marketing, trying to get this thing to sell. You might go to um, conventions and literary festivals and have a table there and try to sell it. There are so many things you can do. I do think many writers, when they think about that, just think, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. And my hat is truly off to anyone who self-publishes well. I know some of these people and they are worker bees. They are people who figure out how to wear different hats depending on what they have to do. So not only are they writing and writing often novel length manuscripts, or full memoir length works or books of stories and essays and poems, but they are then taking on the role of publisher. And for anyone who does that well, I just think it is phenomenal and my hat is completely off to you. Oftentimes though, what I hear from students is either I'm not interested in doing that or some version of, I would love to be able to do that and have all of the creative control 
keep virtually all the profits except for anything that you pay for where maybe you have someone do your cover design or maybe you pay an editor but you're basically in control of the entire process from start to finish I would love to do that but I can't I have little kids, I have a full-time career, I have whatever it might be. I think that's probably the most common scenario, but a lot of people really, really do like that sense of having control over the entire process from start to finish. On the other end of the spectrum, and by the way, I'm not going to talk about all of the different types and varieties of self-publishing, that whole spectrum of self-publishing, indie publishing, etc. just for the sake of time. And also, frankly, I am far from an expert on that, having really never gone there. But I've worked with several people who have. I've picked the brains of people who have done this because, again, I find it very, very impressive when someone takes their writing career seriously and goes that route. But there are so many really good resources online for anyone who is interested in getting serious about self-publishing and doing it well. There are great resources online. I really could not compete with those resources. And at this point, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to add to that conversation. So I'm going to leave it there. If it appeals to you to have that complete creative control and you feel like you could wear the marketing hat, you could wear the design hat, maybe when it comes to cover design, etc. You know when to hire out and when to keep things in-house, so to speak, then I really encourage you, get online, look for articles, get on YouTube. There are so many self-publishers who are very generous about sharing their knowledge and those people are fabulous. So if that's your route, go for it. I think you're awesome. Traditional publishing is often considered to be the big dream for writers. It is one of the main things that many writers focus on. Like any big dream, becoming a business mogul and being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or making it in Hollywood or in on the stage in New York, I'm going to be a star. You know, all those classic dreams, all those classic big creative dreams that people have had over the decades and the centuries. They're big dreams for a reason. They're often very elusive. They're hard to get to. They are romanticized. You know, your name in lights sort of thing. Your book's on the bookshelf at the big bookstores. These are big iconic visions that many writers have. Now, I'm a fan of traditional publishing. It really is in my view, for my writing, it's the way to go. I've had two novels traditionally published. I've had other manuscripts turned down. I have a manuscript out there right now that I would love to see published. But the truth is, with traditional publishing, you don't know what's going to happen, typically. So when you decide to traditionally publish, that's the first major decision you make is, you know what, I'm at this fork in the road. I don't want to or just can't for practical reasons, go the self-publishing route and feel like I'd be doing it well. So I'm going to pursue traditional publication. Okay, so that's the first big choice. The next choice you need to make is, am I going to try to get a literary agent to represent my work? Or am I going to go it alone? Am I going to try to pitch editors at publishing houses on my own without an agent? So here is where it's important to understand the difference between agents and editors. An agent is someone, you can think of a real estate agent. It is someone who represents the property in question, whether it's a house type property, residential property, or a literary property. So a literary agent represents you, the writer, or in real estate terms, you would be the seller. So it's sort of like the seller's agent. They take that property, they take that manuscript, and they 
put it on the market. And they actively go out and they reach out to editors they know, editors they've worked with before, editors who they think might be interested in this property, this manuscript, and they will pitch the project. So an editor is not just someone who goes line by line and makes sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, although they do that as well. An editor at a publishing house, especially an acquiring editor, is someone who acquires manuscripts, typically from literary agents. Some editors will acquire a manuscript directly from an author, but my understanding is that this has become more and more rare. And you can understand why. Agents and editors are inundated with manuscripts. Many, many, many people write books, and many people want to get those books in print, traditionally, on bookstore shelves. So these people are inundated. And so there is sort of a filtering system in place. So again, an agent sells a writer's project, hopefully, tries to sell a writer's project. An editor acquires projects. And then that editor will typically not just acquire that project for the publishing house they work for, such as an editor at Simon & Schuster or an editor at Penguin Random House, whatever it might be. They not only buy that project, but they will typically have a major hand in working with the author on that project. So when an editor acquires your manuscript because your literary agent pitched that person and said, hey, this is a great story, you should check it out. And the editor read it and said, oh my gosh, you're right, I need to have this on my list. And then they acquired it. They will typically work with you hand in hand throughout the process from that point forward. So backtracking. So you have that choice to make. Do I want to go it alone or do I want to get a literary agent? I think having an agent is really important for many reasons, not the least of which is because you have someone who not only knows the industry, but who is great at contracts and negotiations. And when things maybe go a little wonky, an agent is a great person to have to work on things with you, to put your mind at ease, to explain things to you, to be a broker between an editor, for example, or a publicist at a publishing house and the author. There are so many things that agents do, and that is actually really its own podcast episode. For now, once you've made the choice, I really want to get a literary agent, you're going to find yourself in a whole new world of choices to make. So A, getting a literary agent is typically not an easy task. Again, if you just think of the sheer numbers, just imagine the sheer numbers of people who are not just writing books, but wanting to see those books in print. It's very common, one of the common big dreams as we've covered, agents are also typically inundated with manuscripts, with writers seeking representation. And you will see this if you get online in any capacity and start researching agents, research uh, agent interviews, look at different agents' social media profiles, you will fairly quickly understand that, wow, these people are in high demand. And so then your task becomes, okay, I want to get a literary agent to sell my manuscript. So I need to now figure out how to get this agent. So that again, it's a whole nother episode, but it basically entails querying agents. You write a query letter, you have to make sure your project is completely wonderful and complete and very strong. If you're writing nonfiction, that's slightly different. But again, I'm not going to go there just in the interest of time. And then you basically query this agent. It's sort of like a cold call, but there are very specific ways to do it. If you are fortunate enough to have an agent, one of your agents on your dream list, let's say, offer representation and it feels like a good match, 
And then you basically are represented by that person, your project, your work is represented by that agent. That's great. It is no guarantee, however, that your work will be published. But at that point, you have someone who's in the industry, a gatekeeper, so to speak, who is on your side, who will hopefully be able to articulate to you at the time of offering representation, their vision for this project, why they love the project, where they plan to send it. So an agent will hopefully, after reading your manuscript and offering representation, they will hopefully have a very good idea already of at least a first round, at least a handful of editors to whom they want to send this project, editors they think would be interested in this book. And so it goes from there. At that point, your project is on sub, which basically is short for on submission to editors. This process typically goes in rounds. An agent will say, send it out to half a dozen editors the first round. It's not uncommon for projects to be rejected for any number of reasons. They will hopefully send it out on a second round, or maybe the agent will come back to you and say, let's work on revisions of this, especially if they're an editorial agent who wants to work with you sort of line by line or chunk by chunk on this project. They tend to have an eye toward helping you strengthen it, which some agents are more than others. But that's basically the path for that. So once that manuscript leaves your hands in the sense that once you say to an agent, I am entrusting you with my baby here, you're a little bit not out of the loop, hopefully, depending on on how you've communicated this to your agent, hopefully they're keeping you in the loop as far as how the manuscript's going. But unlike someone who chooses self-publishing, it's really not up to you whether or not someone at a publishing house, an editor at a publishing house, makes an offer on this manuscript. It's not up to you what platform it goes on, how many copies are hard printed versus ebooks, how it's marketed. At that point, you really are sort of turning it over. And I think that first big decision, do I want to self-publish or do I want to traditionally publish, oftentimes just comes down to one's basic nature. Can I turn over this project to other people to manage for me largely. Of course, you're still the writer. You still will have input throughout the process, but you are entrusting other people to have heavy hands in this process. Or does that just not sit well with me? I would not welcome major feedback. I I do not want to hear that certain things might need to be changed, fairly major things sometimes. Characters might need to be cut. I have been there. And I did agree with the editor who who suggested that. I had a manuscript. Uh, it was actually the manuscript for my novel, 100 Days. And it had a, an entire character and an entire storyline that when this editor made an offer on this manuscript and we spoke, she basically said, here is one thing that I want to run by you that I'm thinking. And I actually agreed with her. She was able to articulate that major change in a way where I thought, yeah, I think you're actually right. And and she had articulated something that I had sort of been feeling in this nebulous way about this character. And I loved the character, but it just wasn't right for the book. And she knew it. She, she knew her stuff. Really great editor. But that's the sort of headspace you need to be in if you're going to go the traditional route. And it's not that you, your work will be changed without your consent. It's not like people will get in there and rip apart your work and you won't know until you crack open the hard copy that you just got off the bookstore shelf. It's nothing like that. You will have input, but you're part of a team now on this project. So that's something to really think about as well. And again, I I never want to discourage people, but anyone who spends any time researching the odds of traditional publication will quickly learn that they're not great. So 
in that sense, I think it's wonderful that there are so many options for writers to get their work into the hands of readers nowadays, because it used to be one of two things, you vanity publish, or you traditionally publish, which is really difficult. It can be a very long path. It took me many, many years to get there. You have to really believe in your work. You have to really put in the hard work. You have to be able to deal with rejection. It is part of the process. It's in my experience, never fun, but it can teach you a lot if you can learn to hang in there. So this episode, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of the major routes writers can take toward publication. So I definitely will be doing future episodes. This is just such a broad overview, but I'm already getting up there time-wise. So in the interest of time, I will save a lot of the specifics about especially traditionally publishing from getting an agent to having an editor acquire a manuscript and what happens from that point forward. I will save that for future episodes because there's a lot there. So hopefully this helped to clarify some of the big questions for those of you who are on the fence about which way to go. I will always encourage you to get online, do your due diligence, do your research, learn as much as you can. It is staggering to me how many people in this industry, from authors to agents to editors to publicists, how many people are incredibly generous with their knowledge, their experiences, and they want to share it with you. I think it's in everyone's interest for writers to be as educated as possible on what happens once a manuscript is complete and how you can start to make some choices about your role in what happens with that work moving forward. So I wish you the best of luck for that. Stay tuned for a future episode where I will be delving into these issues in more detail. And now it's time for The Daily Groove. Today's Daily Groove comes to us from author Nicholas Sparks, who said, Publishing is a business. Writing may be art, but publishing, when all is said and done, comes down to dollars. Here's to never confusing the two. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Groovy Writer Podcast. You can connect with the podcast on my website at nicolemcinnis.com and on Instagram at thegroovywriter. The intro and outro music is Retro by Wayne Jones. Until next time, write on, Groovy Writers. Write on.